Okay, good evening. Tonight's topic we're discussing is hindrances to worship. And I want to preface this by saying that I spend 85% of my time with children under the age of 14. So if I start to use voices or anything strange like that, you'll know where it comes from. (laughs) And I probably have two hours worth of material. And when I get nervous, I do it in about 15 minutes really, really fast. So if I start jabbering really fast or using voices or doing something inappropriate, just like wave or throw something at me. And that'll be just fine. And you're doing the thingy, right? Fabulous. It's interactive. Just start chucking things. All right, because of my background, I'm a teacher. I teach 7th and 8th grade. Um, I do a lot of lesson planning. So I tend to approach lessons, like I said that I do for 13-year-olds, and I use learning objectives. So I like to know where we're headed and what we need to get out of of, uh, what we're going to be discussing. So I have actually two learning objectives. And tonight... The first one is to identify the hindrances to our worship individually and corporately. So there's going to be two different sides to it. Um, The next one is to discover the tools to battle those hindrances and to develop that lifestyle of worship. We can constantly be developing our life, um, and our life should just overflow with worship to the Lord. So let's just pray tonight. Father God, we just worship you, Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that you've prepared our hearts beforehand, Lord God, to receive the word that you've prepared, Jesus. And Father, we'll be receptive tonight to the Holy Spirit. Father, we say have your way in this place, Lord Jesus. And we just give you glory and we exalt you, Lord. We thank you that we can come together and we can learn about you, Jesus. And we can learn to develop the lifestyle, Father, that just overflows with worship to you, Lord Jesus. Father, a life that just sings praises to you constantly, Lord God. Father, so that we can give you the honor that's due your name. And Jesus, so that we can be a light to those that don't know you, Jesus. And we just thank you, Father, and we glorify your name. Amen. All right, we're going to start. Uh, many of these things that hinder our worship, they, are, they really overlap between individual worship and corporate worship. So I'm going to start with some of the things that, are, are, that hinder our individual worship to the Lord. And I mean that by the time that we spend alone with the Lord when we're not at church corporately. And the very the number one biggest hindrance to our worship is sin. Pretty obvious, I guess. Um, let's start at Psalm 66, 18. Many use the scripture in reference to prayer, and I'm um, 6618. I definitely wrote that one day. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm in the wrong spot. That's why. It's cool. 6618. Wasn't in the wrong spot. That's embarrassing. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. And we, like I said, use that scripture in reference to prayer quite a bit, but we also, um, we don't often think of our worship as an offering to the Lord, We sometimes look at it as a way to to just preface the word that we're going to go into his presence and we're just going to sing some songs and we're going to get really emotional and feeling really good. And then we're going to hear the preacher and we'll be more receptive because we won't uh, like Sunday mornings are always crazy. And it's, you know, people want to kill each other on the way to church and all that stuff. So we see it as like a way to get our focus. And while it is that we tend to limit it a little bit. And um, Angel's like, yeah, Sunday mornings are crazy. Um, I've, yeah, really. So, um, but when we regard iniquity, when we're walking in sin, and by this I also mean uh, deliberate sin, when we're walking in rebellion and disobedience, the Lord cannot hear our worship. He can't receive it 
because the Lord desires pure worship, worship that comes from a pure heart. And when we're deliberately walking in sin and disobedience, we taint our worship. And the Lord can't receive it. And so when, um, okay, I want to turn to James chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. And I'm just going to read this to you. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt, water, and fresh. So a lot of times we, um, we want to offer worship to the Lord, and out of the same mouth that we're offering worship to the Lord, cursing is coming out, and sin, and disobedience, and rebellion, and all those things that come from sin. We can't do that. The Lord can't receive tainted worship. So that's the biggest hindrance to our worship is that sin. And when we choose to walk in compromise, the Lord can't receive it. There's virtually no purpose to our worship because sin cannot dwell. It cannot live. It cannot survive in the presence of God. So when we regard sin and iniquity in our heart, we're almost, I don't want to say not welcome in the presence of the Lord, but we disqualify ourselves from being able to offer worship to him. And that sounds very legalistic, but it's the word. It's what the word says. And um, the last little passage I want to read with us is Psalm 24, verse, I put verse 3 through 53. I'm not going to read that many scriptures. Okay. But Psalm 24, it says, let me just turn there. Trying not to blow through this. Again, if I start talking really fast, just like chuck something up at me. Preferably something that won't hurt. Something soft. Right, Psalm 24, 5 through, oh no, it's 4 and 5, 3 through 5, that's why it says that, sorry. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So, to come into the presence of the Lord and to offer him our worship, we need clean hands and a pure heart. We can't do that if we're deliberately choosing to walk in sin. And um, the other thing that I wanted to talk about with that is unforgiveness and walking in offense when somebody's offended you and you're kind of brewing over it. The Lord can't receive our worship. It's, it's, it's not out of a pure heart. It's that mouth that produces cursing and blessing. It can't happen. So we have to do some things so that the Lord can receive our worship. And now, a lot of times, the same thing happens when we're mature believers. When we do sin, it's not always deliberate. We're not choosing necessarily to walk in sin, but it happens because we're human and we make mistakes and those kinds of things just occur. But what comes from that is we walk in a lot of guilt and condemnation. And the other thing that happens when we're walking in guilt and we feel condemned because we know there's sin in our life that we haven't taken care of or just when we're struggling or when we're experiencing a season of heaviness or frustration, we tend to hide from the presence of God because what we think will happen is judgment. We fear the hammer coming down. We fear the judgment of the Lord. But Romans 2 verse 4 says that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So when we come in his presence, judgment isn't what happens. Conviction comes. But we confuse judgment and conviction sometimes. Conviction of the Holy Spirit is good. Conviction is a good thing. We should rejoice because with conviction comes repentance, and then we can move on. 
you know, and so second Corinthians seven ten is the next se- uh, chapter seven, verse 10. Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse 10. All right. Chapter 7, verse 10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of this world produces death. So when we have sinned or we feel discouraged, instead of running and hiding from that conviction that we often view as judgment, we should run toward the presence of the Lord because in his presence, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. And we should constantly allow ourselves to be convicted. Because really, if you think about it, all through the Psalms, that search me, Lord, try my heart. See if there's any wicked ways in me. Examine me. Examine my heart and, and convict that sin. Because a lot of times there's things we don't even know that we're doing or we don't know that we're harboring unforgiveness or we don't know that we're walking in offense. But when we allow ourselves to be tried and to be, uh, to be convicted in his presence, that's when true repentance can come. And that's when we can really, when we repent, we can move forward and we can worship out of a pure heart. So those, those things I know really all fall under um, the heading of sin, but it, sin obviously looks a lot of different ways. So what do we do? We confess our sins, 1 John 1 and 9. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So a lot of times we need to repent. I've, I've had to do it several times. Like I said, Sunday mornings are crazy, and I'll just be really honest because that's the kind of person I am. I, I overshare. Um, there's been several times that I've come to church, and it's especially when me and Chris had first gotten married, and he's the drummer that doesn't really know how to drum. Right? He's like, it was like two weeks, and we're like, okay, you're the drummer now. And we had lots of little arguments and stuff. Like, it was awful. And so we'd come, and we'd be in the worst mood, and we're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so irritated with you right now. And we have to, okay, Lord. I repent of my bad attitude. And and at first I was like, I repent for his attitude because it's wrong. And no, but um, we really, (laughs) we have to repent. And so that we can really experience the fullness of God, because if we don't, it hinders us. So that's, that's really honest. Um, I wouldn't dare come and, and lead worship when I'm harboring a bad attitude. I've had to go and deal with it before, you know, like five seconds before service. I'm like, Lord, please take it away and I ask forgiveness and it's just the thing to do when um in uh the tabernacle they would cleanse their hands before they go into the holy of holies and, and the most holy place they would cleanse their hands we need clean hands before the lord sin hinders our worship so hmm? oh you would die you would drop dead he said what would happen if you weren't clean before you went in there you would drop dead so we tend to take advantage of it because, like, we're not necessarily, he, he can strike us dead if he wanted to. Uh, we forget about that side of God, but it, it is true. He can do that. So what do we do? We have to repent and we forgive others. We forgive what's going on we, before we can truly experience the fullness of God. And before we can really truly encounter him in worship, we might have to repent and we go through that process. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out process, but we have to do it. So because we worship with clean hands and a pure heart, we have to. That's the worship. That's true worship. That's the worship that the Lord can receive is the worship that's out of a pure heart. Now, um, and we cannot allow offense, unforgiveness to separate us from God. God doesn't run away from us when we sin. We disqualify ourselves. 
Our sin is what separates us. So the other thing that can hinder our individual worship, moving kind of moving on from sin, is just stress and the cares of life. And I think this um, really, especially if you're parents of many children, um, which I'm not, but I've seen it, um, can be very, very stressful. And a lot of times, and I like, honestly, you can go through a whole day and it's not even that it's sin. It's all things that are well and good, you know, taking care of your babies and going grocery shopping and going to work and, you know, going shoe shopping for your five-year-old. All of those things are good. However, they are stress and they're cares of, of life. And sometimes we can go and we're so tired and we go lay in bed at night and we're like, oh yeah, I have not even acknowledged my creator. I haven't even, I haven't given you worship, Lord. I'm, I, I, then it starts the whole process of guilt and condemnation. You're like, oh my gosh. And then you don't want to worship because you feel like you're unworthy. And so it's, it, so really worship must be constant in our lives. It has to breathe out of us. It needs to be constant. And it is possible to have that constant communion with the Lord. So that stress and care of life, it's just the things that take up a majority of our time. Matthew eleven thirty, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So it's okay to say, Lord, I'm just going to set all those things that I have to do aside. And I'm going to take your yoke because it's light. Your burden's easy. So we have to do that sometimes, and it has to be deliberate. We have to, on purpose, say, I'm not going to think about that right now. And if you're a busy bee or like a, a Martha, like me, and you're like, but I have to clean the dirt off the floor, and my blinds are really dusty, and I can see it. It's really gross. Can you see it? Look, like it's really dusty. Like, do that. It's like, chill out. You have to tell your brain to shut up. And um, it's difficult to lay those things aside because they weigh on us, especially when other people depend on us. But this is the way that God designed life. You don't necessarily, I mean, if you, if you can, if you have the ability to spend hours a day in prayer, then you are so blessed. That's awesome. If you can't, if you're in a season of your life that's very busy, like I know I feel that way sometimes, that's okay. God knows what season you're at. You can still commune with him constantly. You can still have that constant worship time. It doesn't have to be like this long, drawn-out thing. It can just be very simple. And... Um, God, it's, I, I kind of think of it like this. Um, if, God knew, if God wanted us to spend four or five hours a day in prayer, he would have made the day 30 hours long. He would have made it longer. And we don't eat to stay satisfied for four hours. If we did, we'd be like 2,000 pounds. But we don't eat like that. You can eat for 15 minutes at lunch, and then you can go for the next five hours. Right? Like, you, you can do that. Lunch, for me, it's like driving to my other school at work, and I'm, like, eating a banana in the car. And it keeps me satisfied. So we can eat of the word, and we can worship him just like that. Doesn't we, we shouldn't feel guilt when we can't spend hours. And I know for me, for a while, I felt like if I couldn't do that, I shouldn't do anything. Like, but, Lord, I, can, I can't even spend an hour with you. I feel so bad. And It doesn't matter. It can be constant. You can do the laundry, and you can, you know, like do other stuff, help the kids with their homework, and still worship the Lord. Because what happens is, you know, what happens is that we limit worship to music. We limit it. And, you know, I'm just going to go there right now. Um, one of the things that we do to hinder our worship is that we limit worship to just music. And a lot of people think that we can't worship if we can't sing. The worship is just singing. But, um, how much more of a sacrifice is it to the Lord for those that feel like they can't sing to give a song to the Lord? First of all, it's a sacrifice of praise. When you lift up a song to the Lord, 
he hears the pureness of your heart. He hears that song. He doesn't necessarily hear if you're in tune or not. It doesn't really matter. But we, we limit worship too because every act of obedience, every act of faithfulness is worship to the Lord. When we're faithful over what God has given us to do, when you're faithful over your assignment, when you are obedient to the Lord, when you choose to walk in obedience, even if disobedience might be easier for, you know, for at, at the time, that's worship to the Lord. We limit it to music, and it's not. Music is a vehicle for worship. Music is one expression of worship. It's not worship in and of itself. And if we do that, if we limit it to just music, to just singing songs or whatever, if we do that, we end up worshiping worship. And how much does this culture do that? Do that. It happens a lot. Where we just worship, and we wait, and we come in, and, and I can kind of move into some of these corporate hindrances because what happens is when we limit that we wait for our emotions to be tugged on and we come into worship and we're like okay do a song I like oh I don't like that one and we sit down that happens a lot it happens it's happened to me before and it's a lot of pressure when you're picking songs because you're like I don't know if everybody will like that one but we have to become mature to push past whether or not we like a song or whatever because it's more about keeping our eyes on Jesus. And when we do that, that's what pure worship is. That's what true worship is. When we remember the purpose and who we're glorifying, it's not about the music. Could care, we should be able to worship acapella with nothing. If the power was out, God forbid, like the power goes out and we don't have like the keyboard and the, you know, or the drums fall apart, which they almost have just <laughs> several times. They just fall apart. Oh my gosh, what do we do? What do we do? We worship. Who cares? It's just one avenue of worship. So we're the ones that limit that. It's a huge hindrance. And, and the biggest hindrance, I think, to corporate worship when we come in and we gather together is not having that individual worship. That, that is probably the number one hindrance to corporate worship is a lack of individual worship. Corporately, when we worship, when we come in, that should be maybe 10% of, of your time throughout the week. That should be 10% of your worship time. If it's the only time you're experiencing worship, things are out of balance. And how much easier would it be, imagine, uh, if we come into worship and every person here has an active connection with the Lord every day, a life of worship, the presence of God would fall so fast. And it, because it's, because really the move of God, we go, and a lot of times we go off in search of it. We want a church hop or we want to go find where the move of God is when really it should come up out of us. Because the Spirit is in here. The Spirit of God is inside of us. It should overflow out of us. So when that connection is active and alive, it just happens. We don't have to chase it down. You could be in your garage with your guitar and a couple of people, and the Spirit of God can move just like it does at church. So we need that active connection constantly throughout the week. Thank you, Becky. The other thing that hinders our worship corporately and individually is conditional worship. And it's really easy to worship when things are going good. And I remember how easy it was for a while, for a while to worship the Lord when like when Chris and I, we got hired with Central Unified and a lot of people were like, oh, well, good luck finding a job. And we're like, you just wait. And the Lord blessed us with jobs in Fresno where we didn't have to commute or anything like that. We were so on fire. We're like, woo like we know where we're supposed to be. We know we're in Fresno. We know we're planted here. We're making declarations. And then when the school started, 
and it got really hard. And it was like baptism by fire in a couple of classes with these like little punk 14-year-olds. Um, and then all of a sudden we're like, why did I take this job? I was like, I would rather work at Starbucks like I used to than teach you. Um, <laughs> and so when things get hard and when we're experiencing heaviness, then a lot of times our worship, it falls to the wayside or it's just hard to be, drum up the energy to worship the Lord. But that's where the sacrifice of praise comes in. And when we choose to, Lord, I'm going to worship you. I don't care what's going on. I, I don't care that I want to chop off that kid's head right now because I do, to be honest. Um, <laughs> had a few really tough cases and it tried us, but the Lord wants to know that we can worship him when things are hard too. You know, if we, I know if my husband only showed me love when I was being really nice, I wouldn't probably um, feel love that often because, you know what I mean? Like, if you think of it that way, it's a choice, right? Like, if I only, if I only, if he only, like, gave me, like, affection or love when I, when I was being worthy of it, like, in, in his eyes when I was acting nice and being, you know, oh, honey, I love you so much. Like, it's easy to love somebody back that's loving you like that, right? But when things are tough and things are stressful, the Lord wants to know that we can surrender it all and still worship him. So conditional worship, man, it's huge. When we don't worship because of depression or sadness or heaviness, how much more should we be able to worship him when things, when, when tragedy strikes and when chaos is happening? Don't, don't we want that active connection with the Lord? How much more comforting is it to know, Lord, I'm going to worship you. I'm devastated, but I can worship that's, that's where we have to get to. And it takes maturity and it takes stepping forward and saying goodbye to some attitudes and some emotions. And the, the word says, Isaiah, I believe it's Isaiah 61, 3, that we put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And a lot of times we do the opposite. And individually and when we're in corporate worship and we wait for the heaviness to lift and then we enter into the presence of the Lord and then we praise him when really that's all then in the realm of our emotions. We, we wait for it, for our emotions to line up with the word and with the, with the, the way things are going when really we have to get up and worship the Lord, even with that heaviness and he replaces it. So that's what we have to do. We we're, we kind of wait. And when we, the, we're the ones that need to move. So hopefully that makes sense the way I said it. <laughs> um, Anyway, corporate, corporate hindrances to worship, I believe, I, I, in my own thinking and what the Lord gave me is that pride and a critical attitude, are, and they're touchy subjects, but those are, it's a huge hindrance to worship. First Corinthians one twenty nine: no flesh should glory in his presence. So we cannot regard pride in our heart and worship him at the same time. We can't do it. And when, a lot of times when, this sounds weird, I guess, but when we're critiquing the music or we're critiquing, and I'm saying this and I'm like, if you're critique, like I'm, it's kind of awkward for me to say, but when we're critiquing the music or we're critiquing the way the sound is, or like the drums are really, really loud, which is my common complaint. Um, talking to you, Chris, no. and the drums are really loud or when the sound sounds off and we're just like, what's going on? It sounds really weird. Why are they doing this song? You know? And I mean, I've done it. I've been in other worship services where that happens. That's a critical attitude. And it hinders our worship. It keeps us from moving forward. It keeps us from meeting, uh, uh, from in- truly encountering the Lord. The kind of move that we're all really waiting for, we're keeping ourselves from. 
by regarding pride and regarding a critical attitude in our heart. And a lot of times pride also, it keeps us from wanting to let our guard down. And we kind of want to, I know I do a lot. I want to look like I have it all together. Like I got life like on lock, like I I got this. We want to act like that when really it's like we so don't. None of us have it dialed in. None of us have it figured out. And we have to sort of be willing to let the guard down and be who we really are and worship the Lord. And if we're crying and if we're like, you know, like slobbering and stuff, it's okay. Let your guard down. <laughs> we're supposed to. And and it's like that um, there's a Casting Crown song called Stained Glass Masquerade. I encourage all of you to go and listen to that song because it says we're just kind of come to church sometimes and we're happy and plastic and we've got smiles on our faces and nobody ever really sees the what's going on inside. Where it's like if if we just would be the people but that we don't let anybody see, if we would just be that, how many more people would come to know the Lord because of honesty and because you're willing to just lay it all out there. You know, then pride is what keeps us from that and we cannot regard pride in our heart and worship. The other thing that hinders worship corporately and individually, really, self-consciousness. And what I say about self-consciousness is, really, if you break it down, it's being conscious of yourself. And self-consciousness is really like pride in humble clothes. It's like the, it's, we think of it not as pride. Like when we're, when we're conscious of ourselves and like, you don't like, I feel like people are probably looking at my knees right now and I hate my knees, so I'm very self-conscious, but it's like that. We often don't think of it. Don't look at my knees. Now you're looking at them. <laughs> um, I did it. I know. I drew attention to it. I told you. I tell them myself. Um, when we're conscious of ourselves, we think of it that it's not pride. We, we only kind of think of pride as being like arrogance when really self-consciousness is pride. It's pride because what it is, it's consciousness of yourself instead of being conscious of Jesus. And when we're willing to care, oh, they can hear me singing or they might see me cry and I get red dots on my forehead when I cry and I don't want to mess my mascara up and all, ki- all kinds of crazy stuff. When we are self-conscious of ourselves, oh, we're self-conscious of ourselves. When we are self-conscious, we, all we're doing is just taking the focus that should be on Jesus. We're robbing God of the attention that is due him and we're putting it on ourselves. And we confuse that with humility and it's pride. Let's just call it like it is it's pride the focus should always 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 really in every aspect of our lives that focus should always be on Jesus not on ourselves and so when we're worried about things that don't matter like oh my gosh they might hear you sing yeah they might hear you sing and you might encounter God what's more important who cares if they hear you sing like they might want to hear you sing and um the next thing to I put b on here twice b and b okay uh, number three for corporate worship, self-sufficiency and like an independent spirit. It's the only way I can think to describe it. Um, we often fear losing our identity in worship. We fear, uh, fear losing that when really we should lose our identity in worship. And it should be found in him. So I just felt, felt it necessary for somebody to, to mention that we kind of, it just goes along with being self-conscious and not wanting to let our guard down. We we just want to kind of just be independent when really we're supposed to lay it all out there and rely on God and say like, I am, I don't know what I'm doing, but here I need you. He wants that. Our identity should be found in him. 
And the next thing, too, this is also a little a bit of a touchy subject, I think, but something that hinders our worship, skepticism and being overly watchful and judging the environment too much. Now, I, I'm all for being watchful. I thank God that we have watchmen and that there are people to sort of judge the situation a little bit because that is biblical, that's godly. But when we're overly skeptical of what's going on, like, that person might be doing something weird. They're like dancing kind of in a funny way. Did you see that? They're moving their arms kind of funny or whatever. Like when we're skeptical, all it does is we're just focusing on then on that person or what we think might be there. And really skepticism, what it does is it turns into suspicion, which doesn't glorify God. And if there's something that needs to be dealt with, it can be dealt with, but it doesn't have to keep you from really encountering the Lord. I, for me, I see all kinds of weird stuff sometimes up on the platform. I see people walk in late and I see, no, I mean, because just because I'm up front, just because my eyes are open, not, that's, you know, not, not like I'm watching for it, but you see all kinds of stuff, but you just have to sort of, I mean, even if it's as much as closing your eyes and saying, Lord, I'm going to shut it out and I'm just going to focus on you because that's the goal here is to give you worship. Would we get into skepticism and, and then being suspicious of what's going on? That person might have a demon because they're jumping up and down just a little too high. Um, you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. It does, it does happen, and it doesn't glorify God. It keeps us from worshiping. It keeps us from encountering the Lord. Let's just be real. It happens. And we really can't judge the way some, most people, we can't judge the way they worship because we don't know where they've walked. You know, and um, we, we don't know where they've came from. We don't know what they've been delivered from. If they want to worship with complete and total reckless abandon, let them. To me, that's my, that's my opinion. So I, and I do believe the word says that God does everything decently and in order. So if something is out of order, it can be dealt with. But it shouldn't keep us from worshiping. It shouldn't keep us from that. The other thing is uh, personal preference and our own opinion. Um, let me just say... I'll be really honest. Um, you know the song, Days of Elijah? These are the days of Elijah. I don't like that song. I really don't like it. I don't know why I don't like it. I just don't. I had one person request Days of Elijah maybe, maybe a hundred times. They put it on the communication card. They would come up to me, please sing Days of Elijah. I love it. Please do Days of Elijah. So finally I was like, okay, fine, we'll learn Days of Elijah. I don't understand it, but okay. So, you know, I was... Uh, I was like, I don't like this song, but we did it. Did you know the day, the first day we ever did Days of Elijah? I don't do it anymore because I just don't. We can if anybody wants us to. We can. Um, are we requesting it? <laughs> okay. The day that we did Days of Elijah, the first time we learned it, we 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 we, uh, we sang it. We was on the list. I had maybe twelve people come up to me. Thank you for doing Days of Elijah. I, that song ministers to me. I love that song. And I was like, okay. Uh, stand corrected. And I had to repent because it was in my own opinion. It was like my preference. And there are some songs that I, I, we won't do. We don't put on the list or we don't learn because we don't feel like they're right. I don't feel released from the Holy Spirit to learn it. Not that it's a bad song or anything like that. We just, you know, that's, it's kind of a responsibility thing. Um, I feel that way sort of about the song friend of God. A lot of people are really, they don't like it and that's fine. I, I get the idea of not liking it. Um, but then the same thing, some people will say like, why do we do that song? It's not even, it's not good. It's not really, it's not expressing all of what God is. And then some people come up to me and they go, I love that song. I love that song. Thank you so much. I'm like, 
okay, I'm confused. <laughs> and really, I get it's, it's back to that um, limiting worship. And I feel like there's some worship songs that express a side of God or they express one attribute of God. We would not possibly be able to put all of the attributes of God into one song. We, it would be never ending because we cannot contain that. But it's like, and really, we're a friend of God. Doesn't mean we're not a child of God. We can be both, I guess. My mom says you don't always like your children, but you usually like your friends. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> like, but anyway, so it's a lot of different things. So, but, but that goes along with our opinion, our preference. Well, I don't like this song, so I'm going to sit down. I'm not going to worship. What? Like, we have to. We don't have a choice. It, really, that's how I feel about it is, you know, worship is different. It, it is expressed differently. Different people lead worship different ways. I love that we've had different expressions of worship throughout this series so far. We all lead different ways. We all do different things. And it's all beautiful. To the Lord, it's all just this fragrant offering. And we're the ones that limit it. And it's got to stop, really, us limiting worship and us, you know, waiting for our emotions to line up with, uh, with what's going on. And it really, really keeps us from experiencing the fullness of God in his presence. So, um you're really responsible to worship even if you don't like the song or you don't like the way something sounds. A lot of times something's going on with the sound that's like out of our control, but we have to keep worshiping. We've had the sound completely cut out and we're like, okay, no, 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 we're going to still worship and I'll just sing really, really loud so everybody can hear me. Uh, It still can't stop our worship. We have to be more mature than that. Um, The last thing I put on here, and I feel like I want to just kind of close with this, the last thing that, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, our emotions really, really hinder our worship a lot of times. And when, when we let our emotions dictate what we're going to do or how much we're going to worship or how we're going to worship, we keep worship in the soulish realm. And when really, just like we call our bodies into submission when we fast and we take control, um, what Jettison Franklin says is we dethrone King's stomach. When we do that, we, we call our bodies into submission and into alignment with the word of God. And we basically tell our bodies, you don't have control over me. So back up. We have to do the same thing with our, our emotions. It's our soul. We, are, we are, are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. So we have to take control over our body and our emotions, our will, our mind. We can't let that dictate how far we go with our worship. Um, <clears throat> when we wait for our emotions to line up, our worship will always be intermittent at best, and soulish. And God de- God deserves more than that. Uh, so um, I guess what happens when we go into worship, especially if we've had a bad week or a bad morning, um, which usually, if you notice, it's usually Sunday morning because the devil knows what's about to happen. So he's like, let's just, you know, kick it into high gear with the attack. And so Sunday mornings are often the day that you drive to church and the street is closed, which has happened to us normally like hundreds of times. 41 North is closed and we're going to be late because we have to go this crazy way. So that's uh, things like that happen. Little things happen and we're just down. Like our emotions are shot and we don't feel like it. And we come into church with all that baggage and all that heaviness. And we do it in our individual worship too. When something happens, we're just like, I don't feel like it. God's like, I don't care. <laughs> if we don't feel like it. It doesn't matter. We have to tell our, just like we tell our bodies, we have to tell our mind, our will, our emotions. It doesn't matter how you feel. I'm going to worship. My spirit is going to worship. 
Because God, de- God deserves worship. Pure, honest, true worship. Not tainted worship. Not soulish, emotional worship. But true worship out of a pure heart. That's what the Lord not only deserves, but he requires it. That's why, and it's a lot of times we just, we, we so limit worship because we think it's just something we come in and do to, to hear the word or whatever. It's just part of church. When really we were very, we were, the very reason we were created was to worship. And the, the fact is, if we don't, the rocks will. We were created to worship. And so when we deny what we were truly created for because of our emotions and our mind, we miss a lot. We miss the fullness of God. We miss that communion. And um, let's just stand and let's just pray. Because I feel like that's where the Lord wants to really wrap things up tonight is, Lord Jesus, Father, let's just pray. Lord God, we just declare tonight that we're not going to let our emotions, our mind, or our will, Lord Jesus, keep us from offering true worship to you, Lord Jesus. Father, even if our bodies are tired and weak and weary, Lord God, even if our minds are jumbled with things to do, Lord Jesus, and things to take care of, Father, we won't deny you true worship out of a pure heart, Lord God. Father, we want to overflow with worship for you, Lord God. We want our lives to just sing worship all the time, Lord God. So, Father, any area in our life, any emotion, any attitude that, that keeps us from experiencing your fullness and your presence, Jesus. Father, in this moment, just reveal it to us, Lord God. And, Father, we repent of not offering true worship to you, Jesus. Father, we repent of not having things in line, Lord God, and not having our priorities straight, Jesus, we just repent of it, Father. Reveal those areas of our lives that are unsubmitted, Jesus. Father, just show us what areas we need to get in line, Father, because we desire to worship you in spirit and in truth, Father, from a pure heart. Father, because we know you are deserving and worthy. And Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that we can commune with you on a daily basis, Lord God. Father, because you're worthy of every ounce of praise we can offer, Lord Jesus. Father, we just worship you, praise you, Lord. We're just going to spend this last couple of minutes in worship tonight. And if we're feeling weak and weary, we're just going to call our bodies into submission. And we're going to offer our worship to the Lord. I think it's very appropriate we end tonight with just worshiping the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord.
Ég er svo glöð að ég er hér.